0: Awesome. Okay, guys, we are talking about the book of Daniel. And for a long, long time, I don't know if any of you here can relate to this, but for a long, long time, I just was intimidated by the Old Testament and the mysterious nature of some of the books, and then also some of the uh, violent imagery and some of the very confusing stories in the Old Testament. Um, And I just want to say it's really okay for people to be in that place and have questions about the Bible. Can I get a witness on that? Here, here. We don't have to have all the answers about the Bible. And I think sometimes people get into tremendously hot water when they try to pretend like they have all the answers about the Bible. Because there is so much to learn still about the Bible. And... Um, We're grateful for the word of God, but Daniel, I just want to warn you guys, it's one of those confusing books. We are exploring it together, and I am really grateful for that. Um, um, And many of you might have grown up in a Christian context where Old Testament prophecies were like misused. And so I think it would be really one fun thing might be for like um, this to be able to kind of wipe some of that fog off the mirror of like confusion and weirdness about the, the books of the Old Testament. So if that's you, um, I, I love the simplicity of the message of the book of Daniel, which our own Daniel did a very good job of, um, of concisely explaining. This book is not that complex. It's about the love of God. It is about a God who fights for his people no matter what, right? okay so So we uh, have been talking talking about about empire empire, and and that that word i think can be really um maybe confusing there's one book that i would highly recommend jeff and i have fallen in love with this book called postcards from babylon postcards from babylon has anybody heard of it postcards from babylon it is such a great book it's written by a fellow named brian zond and uh, Brian's on the co- the um, subtext. The subtitle of the book is um, living in something about living in exile, and it's written in our context. Like this is written right after basically um, some political turmoil that our country has gone through, and it's a really wonderful theological response to some of the confusion that the American church is in. I highly recommend this book. It is wonderful. I listened to it on um, Audible in my car, and there were, I was like, how many mic drops can this guy get? This is ridiculous. I was listening to it. I'm like beating the top of my car like, yeah. read it. That is abusive to people abuse uh, abusive systems are are all a part of what empire does and we see it all around us if um, if we look close enough we actually don't have to look close at all Um, any system in opposition to the goodness of the kingdom of God is a system of abuse God's heart I am so grateful to say is always on the side of the oppressed if we want to partner up with god's agenda we will join in that mission and i'm so grateful Um, we are going to read today daniel chapter two so if you have your devices open it up open them up or if you have a paper bible you get extra points just kidding you get extra jesus points Um, we are going to read daniel 2 and i just wanted to mention this weekend, we're not only celebrating Father's Day, but we're also celebrating Juneteenth. Juneteenth is a, a brand-new national holiday which celebrates the emancipation of our brothers and sisters, a black and brown brothers and sisters who are enslaved right in this country. Yeah, I'm sure you guys have been reading about it. You know about it. Um, talk about an abusive system of power right in our own country i so grateful to celebrate that. Uh, slavery was such an abusive system, and all of the power of the Holy Spirit was with the abolitionists for a long, long time to make freedom possible in this country. We, are, we still have a long way to go, but I am grateful for Juneteenth. I'm grateful. I, I think it's kind of neat that Juneteenth co- coincided with this um, talk today because I'm, I'm wanting to talk about... Um, justice and the evils of empire and how relevant is that um let's see let's read let's read i'm not very good at this jeff is really really good at this what i want to do today you guys is like read the passage and bounce back and forth between like i want to read some verses and then say some things, and then read some more verses and say some things. I'm not as good at that as Jeff is, but I'm going to try. So, so you're along for the ride. Anderson's a fan. <laughs> oh, he's such a tall baby. Um, so bear with me as we do this, okay? This is Daniel 2. In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His mind was troubled, and he could not sleep. So the king summoned the magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed. When they came in and stood before the king, he said to them, I have had a dream that troubles me, and I want to know what it means. Then the astrologers answered the king, May the king live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will interpret it. The king replied to the astrologers, Oh, no, 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 no. This is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces and your houses turned into piles of rubble. But if you tell me the dream and explain it, you will receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. So tell me the dream and interpret it for me. Okay. So this is a very scary context. You if you guys were here last week, you heard about Daniel. Daniel is living in exile. He is in Babylon. He was among the most, um, most learned, handsome, and probably wealthy of the population of the Jewish people. So he was chosen to be in the king's service, essentially, in um, Nebuchadnezzar's court. And as we can see, um, Nebuchadnezzar had uh, some issues, right? Um, so I, I want us to stop and think, though, for a minute. We cannot begin to fathom, you guys, what Daniel's life must have been like. And he had his friends too, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Those were not their Jewish names. Those were Babylonian names. Can we stop for just a minute and imagine what it must have been like for Daniel? Imagine being stolen from your land, your land and your culture, your way of doing things, your family are all stolen from you. Um, You and I do not have context for this. That's why I kind of think it's really amazing that this kind of coincides with Juneteenth. We are celebrating the fact that um, our brothers and sisters of color were freed. Uh, this, This is the weekend we celebrate that. But here we are in a story where Daniel has to survive, you guys. He has to not only survive, but he's about to thrive in this kind of a situation. So, what we want to do is look at this story and think, how, how? What is the Lord saying to me? How is it that we are in Babylon? That's what I want to look at today. So, okay, we see Nebuchadnezzar, who was a terrible human. <laughs> He was like the representative of all evil. This guy was so completely powerful. He was so narcissistic. He only had violence at his fingertips. That was his source of power. Um, An empire always involves narcissism, selfishness, coercion, violent threats, self-importance, uh, yeah, extreme, deep selfishness. These are the things that we see. Um, and we also see that an abuser can never be reasoned with. I think it's just really interesting. The These guys, the astrologers, were basically the religious leaders of the time. I want you guys to understand that these religious leaders, when it says astrologers, let's see, it says... Magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers. These guys were the leaders of religious sects. So these guys were the religious powers. And they were asked to come in and uh, work on behalf of Nebuchadnezzar. So an abuser can never be reasoned with. These guys are like, hey, yeah, tell us your dream. We'll interpret it. And Nebuchadnezzar's like, nope, you You tell me the dream, or else I'm going to cut you up and destroy your homes and kill your families. And and you're going to have a real bad day. So, all right, let's continue on. Verse 7. Once more, they replied, let the king tell his servants the dream, and we will interpret it. This is verse 8. Then the king answered, I am certain that you are trying to gain time, because you realize that this is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me the dream, there's only one penalty for you. You've conspired to to tell me misleading and wicked things, hoping the situation will change. So then, tell me the dream, and I will know that you can interpret it for me. Verse 10. The astrologers answered the king. There is no one on earth who can do what what the king asks. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician, or enchanter, or astrologer. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among humans. Verse 12, this made the king so angry and furious that he ordered the execution of all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree was issued to put the wise men to death, and men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends to put them to death. When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put to death the wise men of Babylon, Daniel spoke to him. With wisdom and tact. He asked the king's officer, Why did the king issue such a harsh decree? Ariok then explained the matter to Daniel. At this, Daniel went in to the king and asked for time so that he might interpret the dream for him. Okay. So, we are going to observe Daniel's response to the king. It's so interesting. Nebuchadnezzar's response to his dream is coercion, command, abusive behavior, violent threats, and I would say self-protectiveness. This is a man, Nebuchadnezzar was a man who was extremely terrified, and he had all the power, but his power was violent threats. So we see in verse 5, an abuser can't be reasoned with. Uh, the guys are like, no, let me, let me, um, let me, uh, Tell us what the dream is, and we'll interpret it for you. And he just comes back with violent threats. An abuser cannot be reasoned with. And I want to say today that it is abusive any time anyone asks another person to do something they are not comfortable with. ABG, one of your little instruments fell. Um, It is innately abusive any time Another person uses coercion to get us to do something we are not comfortable with. Do you hear me, Central Vineyard? We have freedom to say no to abusers. We have freedom to say no to abusive behavior. And that is something that has taken me personally a long time to learn. What is abusive and what is not? Now, I want to say just a quick note about abuse is it can be abuse. The word can be thrown around in a really immature manner. We can call one another abusive when it's not true, when we're just not getting our way. You're abusive. You're doing this to me. It's not, and that's, that's not right. But on the other hand, I do find that oftentimes it's difficult for people to say when they've actually been through abuse. It usually takes a professional or a person who um, has more maturity to be able to look at someone and say, no, the way that you were treated was abusive and wrong and then the scales can fall off of our eyes. Um, This has happened in my own life. I have had to have other people look at me and say, no, 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 the way you're treated is not right. It's coercive, it's abusive, it's not right. So an abuser cannot be reasoned with, and that is why boundaries are so good. (laughs) And it is innately abusive for a person to ask someone else to do something they're not comfortable with and what only they can do for themselves. And I also want to say, wisdom says that don't try to change an abuser. We see this with Daniel. Daniel comes in and he does not try to change the abuser, but he does work within this abusive system with the power of God. It's pretty amazing. Okay, let's see what Daniel did next. We are on 14. One thing I wanted to point out that I think is very interesting, verse 14. Daniel was able to have, oh, I don't think we, I don't think we read that yet. Daniel was able to have compassion and love his enemies. He was able to fight for these other guys and say to the, the um, to, 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 what's his name? Ariok, he said to Ariok, please don't kill all these astrologers, spare their lives. He was in a place where he could actually have compassion. It's pretty awesome.
1: So let's read on. This is verse 17.
0: Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, otherwise known as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Okay, I want to point out a couple things I think are so interesting right here. Daniel was able to love his enemies, you guys. These people, these astrologers and, um, you know, what are they called again? Astrologers, wise men, um, religious leaders of the time, they were terrible people. They would throw anybody under the bus in a hot second. These guys were murderous. They were not interested in caring for anybody else. They were out for themselves. And Daniel was in a position where he used his power that God had given him so he could have compassion and fight for other people's lives. It is pretty awesome. I think it says a lot to us. Um, Not only that, but Daniel's humility, I think it's just astounding. Daniel's Daniel's humility is astounding. he doesn't, he doesn't seem, anyway, through the passages to get, like, get upset and get his, get his feathers ruffled, does he? He's just like, cool. He's cool like that. He's cool like that. He's cool like that. You know? Just like, all right. Okay, Daniel. We can learn from you, you know? Um, and uh, another thing that I just love, 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 is what does Daniel do? He goes to his friends. And he's like, guys, I need you to advocate for me. I am in a really tight spot. We see that Daniel has community that's going to fight for him. That's going to go to heaven and knock on heaven's door for him. And I'm telling you guys, when we are in tight spots, we cannot do this life alone. I don't know how many times I beat this drum from up here. And I'm so grateful to have community. I'm so grateful to be able to say it. One of... I think one profound way that the enemy lies to us, tricks us, deceives us, is he keeps us alone in our suffering. He keeps us alone in our confusion. He keeps us alone in our our chaos. He keeps us alone in our struggles. He keeps us alone in our mental illness, whatever it is. He keeps us alone in our addictions. Really, we have community. We can look around at those who love us Who will, he says, Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends. He urged them to plead for mercy from God, the God of heaven, concerning this mystery. So that he and his friends might not be executed with the wise men of Babylon. It's funny because every time it says wise men, I want to be like, wise men. Because they were not super wise. Um. Okay, let's go on. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven and said, we're on verse 20. Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He deposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness, and light dwells with him. I thank and praise you, God, God of my ancestors. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we ask of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. Ah, so awesome. One thing that I think is so beautiful in this passage is we see daniel's heart of worship he is just i just think about it i've been thinking about it this week when i've been writing this talk but every act of worship that we engage in is such a it's a subversive act it is a revolutionary subversive act against the powers of darkness every time we worship god and we can worship god in a ton of different ways we can worship god by putting music on but we can worship god God By just Just thanking God, God. thinking about how wonderful He is. We can worship God by the way that we serve one another. We can worship God every time we choose to not be entitled. We We worship God every time we worship God. It is a subversive act of revolution. And I am so thankful for that. All right, so I just want to go back real quick. Sorry, my notes are a mess. Um, I just want to go back real quick. Daniel's response, I mean, Nebuchadnezzar's response to his dream. Let's not forget this. Nebuchadnezzar's response to his dream. Coercion, commanding, violent abuse and threats, self-protection, murderous thoughts and actions, right? Now, what are Daniel's responses to Nebuchadnezzar's dream? I just love this. Quiet prayers and gentle revelation of God's God's empire, which is completely different than human's empire. Community, going to those that you need to fight on your behalf. Trusting God, quietly praying, advocating for others' lives. This is Daniel's response. Prayer and risking of his own self. It's just so beautiful to see. Um, I am not today going to focus as much on the dream because we've got like um, way more passages that I'm probably not going to read. I could read them real quick, but I'm not going to focus on that so much. Um, I wanted to focus on the story surrounding and... The contrast between the abusive systems of empire and the beautiful, subversive acts of the kingdom of God, which the Lord has given to each and every one of us. So grateful for it. I just think of Mark 4, the, the passage where Jesus is talking about the mustard seed. It's the tiniest seed, you guys. Jesus is like, do you want to know what the kingdom of heaven is like? It's the tiniest seed. It falls to the ground. It's small enough nobody would even notice it. Nobody would even notice it. Everybody would pass by. But yet, it grows into a tree that's big enough for everybody, all the birds, to perch on. I always think of when it says all the birds of prey. I really like ospreys. Do you guys know what an osprey bird is? They are so cool. And, uh, I've, seen, I've seen, ospreys seen ospreys descending, you know, and landing. I mean, it's amazing. Imagine just this tiny little seed, and then an osprey lands on the branches of this tiny seed that nobody even thought was anything, you know, that's the nature of the kingdom of God. And each one of us play a part. I love Daniel, I, I just think Daniel's such a beautiful picture of the subversive Kingdom of God, the upside-down beauty of the kingdom of God. It's just incredible. So all empire, all abusive systems, every evil system in this world, they are built on weak structure, breaking and weak foundation. That's the whole point of Nebuchadnezzar's dream. If we were to read Nebuchadnezzar's dream, it's like all this, this wild language, but really it just means there's all these gold gold silver bronze all this stuff it represents different nations and empires but really it's built on weak and broken foundation to daniel's point earlier all of these found all these empires are built on clay they will all blow away all the evil systems and structures that we see here now that would that discourage us you guys the racism that we see the sexism The power to the strong, which is the nature of our world. It's so discouraging, isn't it? Um, All of these things will be blown away by the subversive power of God's goodness. And we look ultimately to the goodness of the kingdom one day being fully realized. Meanwhile, it's our job. We get to work on the goodness of the kingdom here and now. We get to be, just like Daniel, exiles in Babylon, doing our little part. And um, I was going to make a joke about some of us are handsome and some of us aren't. All of y'all are handsome, just like Daniel. Um, All of us don't have wealth, though, right? All of us don't have all the gifts and the trips. But it doesn't matter. God uses each and every one of us in our unique beauty and with our unique vocation to bust open, bust wide open, the evil systems of this world. I'm so grateful. Now, we're going to continue on in um, the book of Daniel. And we see, even at the end of this passage, this passage I forget which verse it is, uh, Nebuchadnezzar says, the lord your god nebuchadnezzar doesn't really repent he doesn't really repent he's an extremely prideful guy and unfortunately pride arrogance and self-importance are the cornerstone of empire and uh systems of injustice uh that is what we are working against in our own hearts right just as daniel was saying but we're going to continue on. We're going to see Nebuchadnezzar go through some things. If you guys have read this book, Nebuchadnezzar goes through some things in this book. And God really, um, God really calls him to account. Um, so this is, this is going to be very, very fun to kind of explore this whole book together. It's 12 chapters. We're going to be in it for a little while. I hope you guys are enjoying it as much as I am. Um, but we find, it's very interesting to me, we find in the rest of this book that Nebuchadnezzar, um, Nebuchadnezzar's attempts to destroy Daniel and to abuse him are not successful. We see that Daniel and his friends do not give in to the coercive uh, um, effects of abuse. He is, he and his friends are able to be strong by the power of God, and this is just one story. I just think it's incredibly beautiful. So,